0: They've been retaliating against unionizing stores by slashing hours. They've actually cut hours massively across the country. And in order to be eligible for benefits, including health care, including, you know, um, abortion reimbursements and gender affirming care, um, you have to be working 20 hours a week. And because they've cut so many partners who were, you know, just at that threshold, now people were just audited by the company and, you know, kicked out of their health care, kicked out of the ASU tuition reimbursement program.
1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Vituation Room Show. It's a show. That's it. That's right. I'm just calling it a show now. It's not a podcast. It is a podcast. It's also a live stream. What's up, you guys? I'm here visiting my mom, uh, chilling. Um, Her Internet may go out. (laughs) Despite my best efforts at trying to bring um, my mother into the 21st century, um, you know, things happen, y'all. So forgive me for any technical difficulties right off the bat, out the gate. Um, but it's going to be a goddamn good show. Because this is not a, a few things. First of all, it's the last Sunday show uh, for the Bituation Room. We're moving to Tuesdays, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. That's right. Uh, it'll be good. And maybe I'll do a Sunday stream just generally, just for shits and gigs. But for now, um, once again... What do we what do we say? Mama needs her weekends back. That's right. Mama gonna be actually a mama in just a couple months, so uh, that's fun. And uh, you know, gestating. I got my my uh, my little kid doing just straight like snow angels in my uterus, just like. Nya, 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 nya. It's uh, it's just it's creepy. It's not disgusting. It's mostly creepy. It's very cool. Here here's what being pregnant feels like. It feels like um, having gas. It doesn't hurt, so you know what I mean. That feeling when you're like blue, and you're like, "Oh shit, I need a bathroom right now." It's like that, but it actually feels kind of cool. Um, not doing it this Tuesday. Next Tuesday, August seventh, I believe, is the first date. Um, but thank you guys so much for being here. If you're here on YouTube, please share and like the stream right now. If you're on Twitch. What's up? Thank you so much for subscribing. Uh, if you are listening as a podcast, make sure to give this podcast five stars um, because we have uh, the one and only Emma Vigland of The Majority Report joining me in a little bit to talk about. I, I feel like this is going to be an extra wonky episode. There's just, there's a lot of legislation. We got to get to it all. Um, and Emma is going to join me for a bonus episode. I'm very excited about this because... We're going to talk about this strategy that the DCCC is employing, um, you know, the fundraising wing of the Democratic Party uh, to put a bunch of money into lesser evil Republican candidates in an attempt to thwart MAGA candidates. Is that a good strategy? Is it a 7D chess Democrats really think they can defeat MAGA candidates strategy? Or is it just more of a, we'll see. I have a lot of thoughts on it. We're going to look into um, a Vox article that I thought eh, might have gotten it a little bit wrong uh, and see what one of those ads looks like. So become a patron to get access to that. Patreon.com slash Bituation room is where you go to get your own special little icon, your own special little rainbow flag of a stream of an RSS feed. And you get all that bonus content, all the people that we have on the show. Gabin for another 15 Um, but also a one of the main organizers of the very first Starbucks union um, that has spread like wildfire to the point where oh yeah mad retaliation now um, from Starbucks suddenly they have no more money oh my god they can't keep franchises open they can't keep stores open anymore Uh, because of the efforts of uh, my guest uh, Jack Brissac, who's going to be joining me. Super excited to have her on uh, and uh, ask her what she thinks about this retaliation, what it means to work in a unionized uh, retail store. What's it like? Do you get treated differently by even customers? Um, so and, and what was it like to be, for this unionized effort to even go down? And what's the future hold? So stay tuned for that. Super excited to have her here and fucking stoked to have you guys here. Again, moving to Tuesdays. Any other announcements? Tip the show on Venmo, TBR. Live, TBR, If you do not fuck with Patreon. Don't know why you wouldn't, though. Um, and with that, let's get into it, guys. Put your goddamn bitch caps on. This is What Are You Bitching About? Alrighty, so here's a few things that I'm there's a few one very quick thing baby names man everyone's like what are you going to name your baby what are you going to name your boy, boy, boy what do you want me to name my baby seriously no I'm serious cuz that's a, the you I know it's a it's it's the question you're always supposed to ask two questions you get asked right as a pregnant person one what are you craving which you're like um healthcare next uh full time work next uh um Mr. Hollywood, give me a job. Uh, the second thing people ask you is, what are you going to name your baby? And there's no right answer. If I told you straight up right now, I'm going to name my baby Broomhilda. What? What are you going to say? What are you going to fucking? Oh, what? There's no right answer. Because if it's a name you like, you'll be like, oh, I love that. If it's a name you don't really like, you'll be like, oh, let's see. It's I wouldn't." Like, you don't know what there's no right answer versus like I don't say like, hey, what's up? My name is Francesca. Do you like my name? No, you don't get a say in people's names. They're just their names. That's why I feel weird sharing like, you know, that maybe I will name my kid, uh, you know, after a star system. You don't know, I won't. I'll just I'll put a bunch of it'll be the fucking what, what's pie three point. One, four, four, four. What is it? (laughs) I'm great at math. All right. Um, But the real thing that I'm voting, uh, I'm voting. The real thing that I'm bitching about, you guys, is um, I don't know if you heard, but uh, this week, one of the pieces of legislation that uh, 2020 Republican Congress people voted down, it passed, thankfully, was an anti-human trafficking bill. Now, This isn't the FOSTA-SESTA sort of um, criminalizing sex work and putting uh, people who advertise um, on, you know, back pages and on the Internet uh, at risk. It's not sort of like a government surveillance. This is just a basic run-of-the-mill. Hey, let's make sure people aren't trafficked into the country. And if they are, there's, like, signs for them and, like, hotlines to call. We've all seen those, you know, in in airports and things like this. And, uh, no, no, 20 Republicans said, nah, We like that. We, in fact, are into it um, because, yeah, they are the party of pedophiles, even though they profess to be against QAnon and the Dark Lord being controlled by Hillary Clinton's insatiable desire for cheese pizza, child pornography. So they voted against it. We're talking Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, and Matt Gates, which I know what y'all are thinking. You're like, well, that checks out. Matt Gates is, you know, a pedophile, seventeen-year-old trafficking her across the border from, you know, another state into Florida. Was it Louisiana? Um, that makes sense. Put him aside. But you've got Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert, and they're like, no, we don't want this anti-trafficking bill. What the fuck? So they're they're always showing their whole ass. But this is another moment where showing their whole ass. Um, the the last thing, and we gotta, I gotta move on. Last thing I'm gonna bitch about, I think the Chips Act that Congress passed, the the Senate also passed, and they're very excited about, this is basically like the semiconductor, like make more microchips in the United States, like screw China, ew, like China's beating us, we gotta beat them, blah, 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 um, that bill passed and everyone thinks it's great, you know, everyone's like, this is amazing, um, uh, like, you know, even you know, even Representative Katie Porter is like, this is great. Um, a lot, everyone's heralding it, and actually, it's just a giant handout to the tech sector, like Intel and Texas Instruments. Like, bitch, you're you're not satisfied with the eighty dollars you made me pay in high school, Texas Instruments, for your stupid calculator? Yeah, sure, I didn't remember what pi was, but like, calm down. Anyway, it is mostly a tax incentive and a corporate handout. Uh, and I guess we're supposed to be excited about it. So I, I think that I think that's indicative of where the Democratic Party is going and how there's a new narrative, which is Joe Biden is back. Biden's back. His poll numbers are going up. And, and it's like, is he? Are we going to actually get stuff done? Uh, and I apologize if my mic is uh, totally fucking up. Um, there's, a, is there a lot of wind in this room? God How's this? Can you guys actually hear me on, on my, uh, so now that I've said everything I needed to say and all the important things, uh, it's time to bring in for the hour, super excited to have her, the co-host of the majority report. Please welcome Emma Viglin. Oh, hello. Look at that. Oh, <laughs> what's going on, Emma? I'm... <laughs> You're uh, you're out of the wind. I'm tunnel. out of a wind tunnel. God, that was so uh, scary. Uh, that's upsetting. I have to go back and I'll re-record it. It'll be.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't no
1: worry. Magic.
2: Hey, it's okay. It's. We're, it's not live, so you're all. Good. <laughs> Who's here
1: live? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh,
2: <sighs> I try.
1: I try. With um. Anywho, uh, thank you for being here. It's been many months since you've been back on the show. Um, and this is our last Sunday show, so I feel like it might be the last time I get you for a while, Hmm. unless I, like, I'm like, hey, do you want to stay in the studio and like talk for another hour about
2: politics? Honestly, uh, maybe, Tuesdays might be better for me, because Sundays I'm always (laughs) running around doing nonsense, uh, but you caught me at a good weekend, so. Hell yeah.
1: I'm so happy to have you here. Uh, Emma, what are you bitching about Today? What am I bitching about? Uh, hmm.
2: I guess I should have given this some thought, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> here's what I'm bitching about. So um, I've been trying to make this point over and over again on the majority report because mm-hmm. I think that there are a lot of well-meaning people who are emphasizing rape and incest exempt- exemptions in legislation um, as, uh, Well, one, they're caving into the framing of it. And when I say that, what I mean is that, you know, highlighting these extreme cases of rape and incest and abortion laws uh, being so draconian and cruel in those instances, it does have value to a certain extent. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: But when you emphasize that above all others, you are caving into the framing that the right wing wants which is that abortions are only allowable in very specific circumstances, and there has to be a threshold of violation and violence for an abortion, an immoral act in and of itself, to be acceptable. Mm-hmm.
1: And what is that threshold of violence?
2: Right. And, and so the threshold of violence is rape or incest, they say, right? But in reality, if you were to get an abortion, say you're a victim of incest, or you're a victim of rape, you have to prove that in the court of law. Pretty sure the timeline for needing an abortion is shorter than that of a trial and conviction of a rapist or inset, a person who, uh, you know, you victimized you with incest, for example. Mm-hmm. Also, um, that requires the victim of those crimes to go to the law in an expedient manner, and particularly in cases of incest, it's a family member. I mean, mm-hmm. they make the bar so, so high. And the reason that they do that is because they know that it's a red herring. And yeah. there's no real reality in which that exep- exemption is viable in uh, in action. Yeah, And so even talking about it and caving to that framing is a way to Soften the blow for them, mm-hmm. for them to be uh, appear less cruel, and also to to feed into the stigmatization of abortion as anything other than a health decision made by uh, an individual for for their own uh, reasons that. D-
1: frankly doesn't involve anybody else right right absolutely and i think the whole like safe legal rare line that the democrats were peddling for so long we need abortion to be safe legal and rare and the right. rarity the rarity versus actually normalizing it and so over the years almost like playing into the very the, the backlash and and the almost like just like almost setting yourself up being like um like, it's like passing gay marriage and being like, yeah, I totally believe in, in gay marriage, except when you're really in love or like when you're, oh, like, unless you have got to have a beach wedding. Right. Like, like <laughs> legal and beach wedding. Mm, not enough gay people are having beach weddings. Looks like we got to take away the right to get married. You know, like, it's so fucking weird to put this weird stipulation when, in fact, we know back then and now, like, yeah, no, it's common in and also, uh. A lot, like 60% of people who want abortions are already parents. So like not normalizing it is one thing. And then you're exactly right. Like setting people up to just think about the worst circumstances possible, Um, which honestly, to my mind, it's good right now because it's grabbing headlines. But I do feel like Fox learned its lesson from the 10 year old in Ohio. And they're like, oh, we're never going to cover that kind of a story. Oh, right. Exactly.
2: Yeah. And so, right, it is good for an initial shock value, but I do think there's, as you mentioned, the the Democrats messaging on this, they barely even want to say the word abortion. I mean, they're so ossified leadership that they, one, I think they make a variety of messaging errors. One of them is the one I just mentioned, but the other is that, you know, they make it continuously about a personal privacy right. Right. You have a right to a private health care decision. But if they were actually serious, they would make it about a robust right to health care. But they're so afraid of having that conversation. It's the same reason that Nancy Pelosi pushed for COBRA extensions, which are way more bureaucratic and way less efficient in the middle of COVID, as opposed to temporarily expanding Medicare or Medicaid. And what would that do? Right. Then people will be like, wait, why can't we do this all the time? Right. Why can't mm-hmm. we just have health care as a right and there be a single payer system? You could just expand Medicare slowly mm-hmm. uh, year by year until it covers everybody, which is what Medicare for all is supposed to do. And they're so terrified of having that conversation of that door being cracked just a little bit that they'll make it about, you know, we'll, the, we'll do mo- something way more expensive and inefficient that people freaking hate. Yeah, Cobra, and then with abortion, we'll make it about personal privacy and your in individuals, uh, an individual's right to their own private decision, as opposed yeah. to like, no, this is healthcare, and we should be covering this as a government.
1: Absolutely, I, I totally agree. I think the last, thing I'll- I I I actually like the privacy line. But that's only because I think it's such a right wing talking point for them to be like, big government needs to get me leave me alone. And like, so that I feel like it's an angle to get right wingers on board. But it's not it, your what we're talking about uh, is broad reproductive health care. And for if it's someone who has a wanted pregnancy that ends in a miscarriage and they're told to bleed out instead of get a routine d and or someone who's suffered you know, yeah, incest, rape, or whatnot, like, it's actually all part of the same healthcare system, reproductive health rights. So, like, it's good as a, again, as a pure defense mechanism, this is about privacy, but it's not good if you're looking to actually expand Mm -hmm. and, uh, and deepen the right that's been around for 50 years at this point. I mean, that's the thing I think about women in the 70s, and people in the 70s fighting for it. And the idea that, nothing had gotten done in 50 years since they achieved this. There was no, like the roots were not completely shallow. You know, an unwatered, just sort of dying, you know, tree of reproductive rights. That's very sad. Um, But that's all the Democrats know how to do, right, is do
2: prevent defense. They never understand that the best defense is a good offense. I mean, and that is a fundamental lack of, you know, understanding with this current leadership. Yeah. The younger you get, I think they get it, but that's going to take a little bit of while for them to ascend.
1: That's so true. That's sports talk, y'all. MNO sports. Um, <laughs> all right. Okay. We got to get into this week. Um, woo. It is. It's been a lot. So um, a few things I wrote down in my uh, mushy little pregnant brain. Um, a few things happened. Ivana Trump, Donald mm. Trump's second wife, I believe. Um died first wife
2: first because then there was marla right marla maples after and then uh then sweet melania
1: you know because of the nature of her grave i was like that's gotta be second wife oh t- total second is- wife
2: uh like throw them in a throw her in a pit no
1: coffin mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. mud mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A, yeah. a shallow mud pit uh so okay let's start that over <laughs> ivana trump's Ivana Trump, Donald Trump's first wife, died and all her kids and her ex-husband decided she should be buried in a very menial grave, uh, on Trump's Bedminster, New Jersey golf course, Mm -hmm. like right by the first hole, uh, which not only feels disrespectful, but honestly, as, as some folks have been digging, uh, Could save the Trump family from paying taxes on their real estate, personal property, business, sales, income, or inheritance because they put their mom's body there. And you know what? They always say marry an asshole, get buried by the first hole. Um, My question is, what does a tombstone read? Is it like Ivana Trump? (laughs) Mother, wife, sand trap.
2: You Hmm. know... I, I literally I retweeted that thing, too. And I'm hearing I, uh, Bobby Big Wheel was a great account to follow, said it's not true that he doesn't save taxes on it. So I un- promptly unretweeted it. But wouldn't it have been so perfect if that was actually the case? Because I, I mean, it sounded legit to me. I don't really know the specifics of it yet,
1: but they're they're, they're people are digging into, you know, I mean, her grave for sure. Uh, but like <laughs> they're digging into New Jersey tax code law, and it's like a certain amount of your property if there are human remains on it, you can get a write off for it being a cemetery. Yeah,
2: right. Well, I mean, look, he's not gonna he's gonna he will spare every. Or he will not spare any expense. Am I doing a double negative there? Meaning he won't throw any money at his ex wife. Please. Just dump her in the shallow
1: grave mm-hmm. at the
2: mm-hmm. off of hole nine. That's all no, we can it's, do.
1: It's a it's a whore in one. That's what I think to call him. <laughs> <laughs> Um Workers at Trader Joe's have formed the company's first union in Massachusetts, proving you can only make people wear Hawaiian shirts for so long before they will threaten to guillotine the CEO. And in a video, Will Smith apologized to Chris Rock, but the comedian is not ready to talk until his tour is over and the Netflix specials are taped. Milk that shit, Chris. Um, And don't call it a comeback, but Joe Biden has COVID again. Mm, Again. Doctors are calling it a rebound case, uh, proving that even his immune system is in recession. For everything else, this is the week where. Okay, so this is the week where Joe Manchin realized he still wants to, like, keep one mirror in his home, just one. And he's agreed to come to the table and support other Democrats. For the first time uh, in what is being called the Inflation Reduction Act. So it is a $369 billion package um, that addresses climate change, healthcare, inflation, and taxes, and it's to be spent over the next 10 years. It is a far cry from that $1.7 trillion that was supposed to be part of the, supposed to be the Build Back Better bill. But it's got some aspects of it, and many are asking for the perfect not to be the enemy of the meh, um, it does promise to reduce carbon emissions by 40% by 2030, which is not, I think it was 50% by 2030. So it's like ah, take that 10% here, 10% there. Um, $60 billion pledged for environmental justice programs, investments in sustainable agriculture. Um, billions of dollars for renewables. It lets Medicare negotiate prescription drug prices, um, but that only takes effect in 2026, and it begins with only ten drugs. <laughs> Not and, insulin
2: uh, either, which is like the n- most egregious case.
1: It's insane. Right, exactly. Because of course, Mansion and his family are making money off of in- the insulin market. Mm. um And it would cap out-of-pocket drug costs for seniors at two thousand dollars a year. So, I mean. I, I guess still seems like a lot of money, but OK, um, they're going to pay for it by a 15 percent minimum tax on corporations with profits over a billion, um, closing a capital gains carried interest loophole, increasing funding for the IRS so it can um, up enforcement and actually like go after rich people who avoid taxes for once. Um, and it's got mixed reviews, y'all, in terms of is it going to pass? Is it all that good? Um, I want to show a little bit of like maybe will or will not pass. Um, Kirsten Sinema, of course, is not weighed in at all. Right. Um, But what we need, what it needs to pass uh, is moderate support. Um, And of course, Democrats only have a slim majority. And after the recess, the party will have a margin of only three votes in the House, which is not good. Um, progressives have broadly sounded bullish on the bill, even though it's much narrower than what Democrats had originally hoped to pass. from Jibble saying, if we can get it done, and I believe we can, there's a real deal here. Um, but the last uncertainty plaguing the bill is simple logistics, because the Senate is set to skip town on August 5th for lawmakers' annual summer recess. That leaves just a week for Democrats to pass the bill before they head out. It's not a lot of time, and it's further complicated by a recent surge in COVID-19 cases in Congress, which has meant members... Can't be at the Capitol in person to cast their votes. Are we not voting by Zoom at this point? I do not know why that's not the case. You can like, filib- I bet you can filibuster by Zoom in the, yeah. in the Senate, but you're like, no, you can't vote by Zoom. You
2: can filibuster by not doing anything at all. You just like, you, there <laughs> used to be a talking filibuster. Now it's just an a, a amorphous entity.
1: Exactly. You don't even have to log into Zoom. You do not even have to blur out your background, bro. Yeah, you just
2: need to like fart and sit on your ass and you filibuster. <laughs> yeah.
1: So this is this is what this bill is. I want to ask your opinions. I want I, I did look to Bill McKibben, who has been praising this bill and kind of saying, you know, Bill McKibben, obviously notorious uh, climate activist, a journalist, writer. Um, and he is... He feels good about it, um, he, it's, but he does say it is no unmitigated victory. It's larded with presents for the fossil fuel industry in return for gifts they've lavished on Mansion. It may come with real defeats. The fear is that when all de- the details are revealed, Biden will have committed himself to backing absurd projects like the MVP pipelines, yet another pipeline. But even those defeats kind of make the case because people fought so hard to oppose such projects, the tide eventually became too much for Mansion to bear. Um, he basically and he goes on and he says that essentially mansion tanking that any kind of climate progress that had ripple effects. And he eventually felt some amount of pressure um, and, and decided to come to the table because of this. Um, I wanted this last thing. Uh, and he says basically everyone who brought this fight to the whole new terrain, the scientists who pro- protested, the policy wonks who wonked, the people whose particular fights have been sacrificed by the terms of the deal, Um, them in particular if Manchin had to deal because a pipeline he wanted was going down in flames well the people who made that possible are heroes so and and this is what I saw from Sunrise Movement as well which was essentially look if we pass a robust version of this bill it could be really good Um, McKibben saying it could be good there might be some poison pills um, but for the most part let's start somewhere
2: yeah, I mean, look—you got to take anything at this point, given the situation that Manchin has put the Democrats in and Cinema um, to—I think a even larger extent to a degree because, well, yeah, he's the at the head of the climate committee as he has personal investments in coal. <laughs> she is really the the she's acting as a Lieberman type figure in terms of being the um, person who is standing in the way of. Any legislation being passed in favor of Wall Street and pharmaceutical companies, where Manchin's constituency is much clearer in terms of just coal, oil, and gas. That's his thing. And you can also understand what his incentives are, which it's harder to understand hers. His approval rating goes up when he tanks Biden's legislation. And now he eventually has been broken and he had this agreement with Schumer, which was an oddly successful piece of maneuvering, the first time I've seen Schumer outsmart Joe, uh, not Joe Manchin, I should say, um, McConnell, right, was that I mean, you could argue it was at the start of 2021 when they passed that larger COVID relief bill, which was also a success. That was also the time when they should have rammed Bill back better through to a degree, but uh, they decided they need to bring Republicans into the process, and here we are. Um, but but at the Mansion played it well for his purposes. He cut it down to one ninth of what it was in, initially supposed to be, and um, he got pro oil and gas amendments included, including a, an emphasis on carbon capture technology which most serious climate activists essentially say is just a way to keep pumping carbon into the air and then you capture it back and they there's an over tree yeah there's an overstatement about if that technology is even actually uh usable uh for the most part it's it's perceived as a fantasy put forth by the oil and gas industry to that degree so Cinemas still could stand in the way because this bill contains a carried interest um, loophole closure. I believe right. that is um, goes into effect, I think in three to five years in terms of where they push the taxation, this is off the top of my head. So I don't remember, but most private equity merger deals are like five to seven years. So it gets around it. She could potentially support it while still, you know, sticking
1: up for the Wall Street people, as she's, uh, want to do. So there is- Because hope- the, the finger trap works, like, Manchin's against any new spending, and she's against any new taxes. Right. So they kind of, like, have- yeah they well have said, us in, yeah. Right. We ha- They have us in that bind. We've been- I've been talking about that for a little bit. And, I mean, yeah, right, we'll see. I guess my thing is, like, even if this does pass, the other thing that Manchin stipulates that we know is nowhere in this bill is- anything punitive for the fossil fuel industry, right. anything punitive, right? It's like, we will work hard to create renewables. Um, but that might also, who might, who knows, that might also be in the form of a massive handout to like BP or like the fossil fuel industry itself for their yeah. renewable programs, you know, like, and the fact that, and it's kind of like everything we're doing, we kind of are like, again, eating our own tails or like are chasing You know, or like trying to rearrange the decks on the Titanic. And I feel that with, you know, this whole like the chips bill that's supposed to be amazing, but actually isn't this climate bill that you're like, I guess it's better than nothing. But if you don't have a framework for actually reigning in the fossil fuel industry, then you're pretty much just doing nothing. If you're not stopping drilling on federal lands, which is this bill does not do, if you're not putting moratoriums on fracking wells, etc., We're still going down this horrible slippery slope that we all know we've been going on. Bill McKibben used to say, I mean, he still does, you know, you have to treat the fossil fuel industry like enemy number one, like they're enemy of the an enemy of the people. So the fact that he's like, look, this is better than nothing and it did was hard work. I don't know. I don't know what that's I want it to pass.
2: But again, the reality is is that we don't know if that's gonna happen because of cinema. And this also has to get sent to the house. And Josh Gottheimer is on his like (laughs) freaking crusade to uh, reinstate the salt deduction, which is a uh, wealth tax break for the wealthiest in New Jersey and New York suburbs. Um, It's largely affects the top 10%. And it's a way for them to basically deduct certain taxes because these are high uh, areas outside of Manhattan that have, you know, a lot of wealthy people and, uh, very high taxes so- and lots of
1: ex-wives buried uh in golf courses
2: oh yes, oh yes D- you forget Francesca that I grew up in New Jersey and I know that <laughs> golf course so next time I drive by I will uh I will you know salute her salute the ghost of Ivana and I'm so sorry that you she had to be buried in mud and just her body just tossed in there because he cheaped out on the coffin I mean I don't know
1: that for a fact, but you know that for a fact though like i'm I'm a bet. If there was a nice coffin, this is the same thing with Trump's dick. I'm sorry, I this is a bit that I have, but I'm like we would see that coffin if it was like marble. Oh yeah.
3: He and doesn't just like if Trump doesn't, didn't have a mangled,
1: disgusting dick. fucking yeah. worm of a penis. Like he would have leaked this a long time ago. Yeah, he would
2: have. I mean he doesn't leave a lot to the imagination, so
1: <laughs> Oh man. Um, well look. Also, just a shout out to the protesters in Schumer's office uh, who were congressional staffers, six of whom got arrested basically around this issue, demanding that Schumer do something on climate. And it looks like, yeah, he got at least mentioned to the table. We'll see how the other side of the finger trap goes and, uh, you know, what she wants. If she's like, we need a sleeveless day in the Senate. And you're like, nobody wants to see Mitch McConnell's arms, but OK. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's move on to our next story, uh, because this was also the week where, perhaps relatedly, Senate Republicans tanked a bill called the PACT Act that would have helped veterans get better health care for their exposure to toxic burn pits and other disgusting Pentagon concoctions like Agent Orange. Um, a reported 86% of veterans have been exposed to burn pits or other toxins. And the VA has denied approximately 70% of veteran burn pit claims. Since 9-11. Um, again also exposure to thing, you know toxins at the ground zero site um, was part of this. Uh, the thing that the thing is is that this bill actually passed, like the Pact Act, passed in July, J- July sixteenth, just a few weeks, like like two weeks ago. It passed eighty four to fourteen. It was sent to the House, and then for some reason there was a small amendment that. Republicans say and claim completely changed the whole thing, created a slush fund. And so 25 senators, Republican senators, changed their vote. And here they are voting against um, giving greater health care to veterans. Mr. Danes, Mr. dance no. So that was a very excited uh, fist bump between Ted Cruz and could you make out who that was?
2: Uh. I couldn't. I just saw Ted Cruz highlighted there.
1: Who else was it? Right. So it was. I. I don't know. Um, but Senate Republicans basically fist bumping one another on preventing this bill from passing. Which yeah. we just talked about the 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 like the I can't even remember But the Inflation Reduction Act slash climate bill, yes. which was you know had been released just hours before this bill came down for a vote. It feels like. Senate Republicans were butthurt about the fact that Joe Manchin was actually agreeing to do something and was turning their back on them. And they were like, okay, we'll just randomly assign our anger into this bill that we were totally fine with two weeks ago.
2: Yeah. I, it, I mean, you're, you're right about that. It, it seems clear that basically the... What what happened when I said earlier in the show that Schumer, in a rare moment, I think one of his first or second ever instances of outmaneuvering McConnell was that, and of course, it's for legislation that Schumer really wanted and not like Medicare for all or something big or single payer health care or Green New Deal, whatever. But Schumer has been trying to get this Chinese competitive bill on semiconductors and other um, and other industries. uh, He's been on this for years at this point, and it was finally his chance to strike. And so he was able to get over 10 Republicans on board with this bill. The only Democrat that voted against it was Bernie Sanders, by the way, um, because he said this is public taxpayer money invested in this bill, and we have no guarantees on if it's coming back for us. And he's absolutely right. But regardless, it passed uh, over the filibuster threshold. And so The reconciliation process, which is only reserved for uh, the for budgetary bills and you only need 50 votes plus the tiebreakers of Kamala Harris to get it over the threshold. That route route, which is you only have a finite number of them per year because Mm -hmm. of the stupid filibuster that was preserved for this agreement that Manchin and Schumer had agreed to behind the scenes, but no one knew about it. So Schumer waited for CHIPS to pass the Chinese competitive bill, the semiconductor bill, to pass the Senate, having let no one know that this agreement was in place. And as soon as it passed that afternoon, what do you know? Schumer and Manchin had an agreement all the time. Now, I don't love the substance of the legislation to the degree that Schumer probably does. Right, but It is notable that it was a rare piece of outmaneuvering of McConnell and Republicans got vindictive. And so they shot down this burn pit legislation to help veterans with their health care after they started an illegal war in Iraq and a, a long occupation in Afghanistan, which caused these things. And then they say, well, we love, we, we love soldiers, but we don't love veterans so much. So screw you and your healthcare and we're not going
1: to, help you in any way. right? And that's the kind of
2: games that Republicans play. And I hope that's clarifying
1: for people. Incredibly. And I have to play a little bit of Jon Stewart. Um, veterans are now, in fact, because uh, he, he's been at the forefront of this fight, veterans are now sleeping on the steps of the Capitol building. Um, and Chuck Schumer says he's going to bring the vote back. He's going to bring uh, the, the act back for another vote, excuse me, on Monday night. So we'll see this may have already passed by the time you guys are listening to it. And I fucking hope it does. Um, but you hear what Emma is explaining. It was just this like incredible pettiness because of Republicans passing the chip back chips act. And then being like, well, I don't want to agree with Democrats twice. <laughs> and now there's another thing that's coming down the pike. So he, right. Um, you're right. And uh, this is John Stewart calling the Senate and specifically Senate Republicans on their bullshit. Um, and I just think this is so brilliant. And I wish Stewart could coach Schumer. since he's
2: messaging cool. help.
1: Yeah. yeah, leaning over his glasses and doing that Well, I've said, you know, just like, just take a few
3: cues. <laughs> Ain't this a bitch? America's heroes who fought in our wars, outside sweating their asses off, with oxygen, battling all kinds of ailments, while these motherfuckers sit in the air conditioning, walled off from any of it. They don't have to hear it. They don't have to see it. They don't have to understand that these are human beings. Do you get it yet? Do we see that these, are, these aren't heroes? These are men and women, mothers and fathers, sisters and brothers that we just let stand outside in the heat when they can't breathe. I'm going to read you something. This is beautiful. I'm going to read you something beautiful. You know what? I said a curse word, and I'm sorry about that. That was my fault. Let me say something beautiful. This is a tweet from Senator Rick Scott of Florida from yesterday. It's beautiful. And I'm sorry about the cursing. And let me say something beautiful to make it up to you. I was honored to join the USO today and make care packages for brave military members in gratitude, in gratitude of their sacrifice and service to our nation. And there's a beautiful picture. I wish you could see it. He's standing with a little package. Did you get the package? It's—I like, think It has M&M's in it and some cookies Didn't get it. and some moist towelettes. I, I, I don't even know. Honestly, I don't even know what to say. I haven't come down here 10, 15 years. I'm used to the hypocrisy. Christina Keene will tell you from BFW. They, she sat in an office with Mitch McConnell and a war veteran from Kentucky, and he looked that man in the eyes And he said, we'll get it done. And he lied to him. Because Mitch McConnell yesterday flipped. I'm used to the lies. I'm used to the hypocrisy. Senator Pat Toomey won't take a meeting with the veterans groups. Sends out his chief of staff. I'm used to the cowardice. I've been here a long time. Senate's where accountability goes to die. These people don't care. They're never losing their jobs. They're never losing their health care. Pat Toomey didn't lose his job. He's walking away. God knows what kind of pot of gold he's stepping into to lobby this government to shit on more people. I'm used to all of it, but I am not used to the cruelty. They passed it. June 16th, they passed the PACT Act. 84 to 14. You don't even see those scores in the Senate anymore. They passed it. Every one of these individuals that has been fighting for years, standing on the shoulders of Vietnam veterans who have been fighting for years, standing on the shoulders of Persian Gulf War veterans fighting for years, Desert Storm veterans, to just get the health care and benefits that they earned from their service. And I don't care if they were fighting for our freedom. I don't care if they were fighting for the flag. I don't care if they were fighting because they wanted to get out of a drug treatment center or it was jail or the army. I don't give a shit. They lived up to their oath. And yesterday, they spit on it. So
1: there he is. And... There's a little bit more I want to play, but I did want to correct myself and say it was June 16th, not July 16th. And this is a different bill than I mentioned 9-11 first responders. He's also been fighting on their behalf as right. well. Um, but it's a different bill, obviously. This is specifically, you know, veterans of foreign wars. Um, it's so brilliant, him breaking this down. And this is how he ends this uh, incredible 10-minute speech.
3: This isn't a slush fund. You know it's a slush fund? The OCO, the Overseas Contingency Operations Fund, $60 billion, $70 billion every year on top of $500 billion, $600 billion, $700 billion of a defense budget. That's a slush fund, unaccountable, no guardrails. Did Pat Toomey stand up and say, this is irresponsible, the guardrails? No, not one of them did. They vote for it year after year after year. You don't support the troops. You support the war machine. And now they say, well, this will get done maybe the, uh, after we get back from our summer recess, maybe during the lame duck, because they're on Senate time. Do you understand? You live around here. Senate time is ridiculous. These motherfuckers live to 200. They're tortoises. They live forever and they never lose their jobs and they never lose their benefits and they never lose all those things. Well, they're not on Senate time. They're on human time, cancer time. Don't you have families? Don't you have people who are deciding how to live their last moments? I know some of them. They've been down here advocating with us. They spent their remaining time advocating so that other soldiers didn't have to face the indignities and the depravity and the desperation that they faced. And none of them will hear it. And none of them care. This is an embarrassment to the Senate, to the country, to the founders, and all that they profess to hold dear. And if this is America first, then America is fucked.
1: Mm, I, I just... Why can't we have that clarity more often? Oh, yeah. Wow. Well,
2: they work <laughs> They work with Republicans. They want things to be nice at the lunch counter. Yeah,
1: exactly. On the little sort of like, yeah, the uh, the little trolley and the tram that takes them around to different places. I've been on that thing. It's small. It's got to yeah. be awkward if you guys are disagreeing and uh, you're calling each other out for your bullshit. Um, I think the point, and this is, this is a broader discussion, but the point about... Republican so-called isolationism and the fact that like a lot of these MAGA fools were like, Yeah, the Iraq war was dumb and no one's none of them are resuscitating Bush, only like mainstream media and like centrists love to resuscitate Bush. You know, and here John is calling them out on this idea that like, number one, they're always against government spending, uh, unless it is for war. And that that whole the whole facade of like, oh, no, we don't believe in just like endless money for endless wars. And why don't we put America first? And that's all bullshit because they approve these insane Pentagon budgets every single goddamn year, defense spending budgets. And nobody calls them out on it. And yet when it comes to veterans, which, again, they will prop up like puppets and use as pawns here, they can throw them under the bus whenever they want. So it's so brilliant. and And but the fact is, Democrats aren't anti they're not anti like big defense budget spending enough to have the freedom to say things like that and criticize that and actually like actually like pick up a mantle that's been left for them by an eight years of a fucking horrible you know george w bush administration two plus wars Like, it's right there, and instead it's been taken, picked up by Trump and MAGA, being like, we should have taken all the oil. It's just, it's such a misstep, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: No, I mean, and and to add to your point, Nancy Pelosi, she does this once a season, right? Like, she sees, like, oh, it's fall now. It's time for me to say publicly that we need a strong Republican Party. Like, you know, I got my four quotes publicly in this year about that, but should I do that two or three more times okay, just yeah. to be safe? Should we, so we can have a, you know, six quotes on the record per year. I mean, it undercuts your message when that's, when that's uh, essentially their only uh, way for them to combat Republicans is to tie them to Trump because you no know, Republicans created Trump. And yep. uh, if you wanted to have like a more holistic message Branding Republicans as bad and toxic would allow you to effectively combat this because this was the Bush administration and this is their legacy. And instead of him handing Michelle Obama candy, you could be reminding people of that. But yes. leadership doesn't know and understand how to even do that because they're stuck in the Reagan era.
1: Pelosi was by his side the whole goddamn time. I mean, that's the other thing. You know, not much she could have done, but anyway, it's. I just, I really appreciate this kind of clarity. John Stewart goes on to Fox News. He's talking to anyone who'll talk. Calling out Pat Toomey is brilliant, being like, they won't even take a fucking meeting. Now, I would be very surprised, Emma. I don't know. We, we, you know, it's going to happen tomorrow night. I'd be very surprised if they still vote no on this. Um, Republicans claiming that this is, you know, there's too much pork on it, that there's this a slush fund and blah, blah. blah. But the outrage, like that video we just played, I mean, it's got millions of views. Like I said, Stewart's going on, you know, anyone who any right wing outlet that will have him on, he's talking to them, oh calling, yeah, calling them out. So I think they will vote on it. Like I think this will actually pass, and they'll and they'll, you know, but we'll see. I think
2: so too. But uh, it, honestly, if we're, if Democrats have any political sense, they would at least go on the airwaves and hammer republicans about it before that was
1: that happened 100 percent. all right and with that we got to bring in for the sitch she is a member of the starbucks workers united and was part of the fight to unionize the first starbucks in the country in buffalo new york in 2021 please welcome jazz brisak
0: hi it's so great to be here with
1: y'all oh my god so good to have you here um i think you know emma Yes, it's so nice to meet you. You as well. And awesome, awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. It's, they are scared. Uh, the Schultz, the Schultzy, Schultzy big scared right now. Um, <laughs> uh, I want to talk to you about all the backlash, but first, can you like just, you know, just for a rundown, um, folks don't know. 316 stores uh, uh, have filed to unionize, 316 Starbucks have filed to unionize in 36 states. Dozens of elections are underway, Um, even though Starbucks has an aggressive anti-union campaign and is like, we give you Spotify. Here's free Spotify. That's just something I saw on Starbucks and I was like, I can't believe.
0: That's that's what they say Um, is the top thing that Starbucks partners value Um, As a benefit is the free Spotify and, you know, free Spotify doesn't actually put groceries in your fridge. But yeah.
1: But like you you can like rock out while you're, you know, eating ramen again (laughs) uh, for the third night in a row. Um, But and so far, 207 Starbucks stores in 33 states have actually won those elections. So that's good odds. Um, Just 44 stores have lost an election. And you were in Buffalo Patient zero of this movement, um, you know, and and I want to ask, like, how was how was this a different kind of union drive? How was this worker led versus I think what we've often seen, and and in a sector that I think had been largely forgotten by mainstream union movements.
0: So I want to say, I mean, I don't think that it was fundamentally that different from a lot of other union campaigns. I do think that it got a lot of notoriety very quickly because both of, you know, it was Starbucks, it was something that, you know, so many people across the whole country are going to every day where, you know, most people are familiar with Starbucks baristas, we're very visible, you know, Green Apron is kind of synonymous with like going to a coffee shop. Um, and also because, you know, our corporation decided that instead of, doing the smart thing and, you know, signing the fair election principles and saying like, okay, we might not have liked this, but we're a progressive kind of company. Like, tell us what you want. Let's, let's talk. Um, Howard Schultz, the CEO decided to do things like come to Buffalo to give us speeches about how the Holocaust uh, meant that we shouldn't unionize where he compared Starbucks benefits to Holocaust prisoners sharing their blankets and tried to draw this whole analogy, and actually, you know, turned people who had been more on the fence towards like, okay, if this dude is talking about the Holocaust, maybe (laughs) I'm gonna vote yes. Um, But I can't even tell you, I gotta say how many times we played
2: that (laughs) clip on the majority report, because it really was, I've never seen such a level of like lacking self-awareness and that was your everyone else's reaction in the room as well pretty much
0: i mean howard had run for president before um and you know gotten some twitter backlash but his defense of that anecdote um was that he had done it he'd said it before and in fact the title of chapter 20 of his book um, that he wrote while running for president is share your blanket where he talks about, you know, going to Appalachia with JD Vans of all people and um, oh. like learning about, you know, boot, the bootstrap mentality and how, you know, Starbucks could open stores and help rescue people, etc. So, um a deep legacy there this
1: is an active i'm sorry i i will we'll insert this in post (laughs) but this is an active comparison of baristas and workers in his stores to people suffering under uh nazism and like in in what ghettos and work camps in the during the holocaust i mean mean, they shared why why can't you share exactly (laughs) <laughs> oh no, we oh. laughed, Jazz. It was oh, too real. Oh my gosh! She, right, it must have been.
2: It must have been the, the powers that be shut back. I the love that band.
1: I, I love when a CEO is that fucking tone deaf. It's almost like it's almost endearing.
2: Yeah, you're like, oh, you're just a child. So you're yeah. just a rich baby. You're a <laughs> baby. and You might be the boss, but you're still a baby.
1: Hey, yeah. <laughs> all good. No worries it's it's the name of the day but yeah so so that actually so right a lot of these anti-union efforts only further galvanize workers to understand that hey maybe we do want to vote yes on this
0: exactly i mean i think Mm -hmm. you know howard schultz was kind of a big um example of that because you know the man has 4.8 billion dollars could buy a lot of blankets he was also you know on the short list to be Hillary Clinton's Secretary of Labor, had she won in 2016, and Melody Hobson, who's the chair of the Starbucks Board of Directors, um, is making her fortune from union pension funds, which are a major invest- investor in aerial Investments, which is the company that she runs. And you know, she is like hosting dinner parties with Obama and the and Oprah, and um, you know, these people aren't paying. A consequence for what they've done. Now, I think that could change. And I think that's how we win is when people start, you know, making it as socially unacceptable to union bust as to do all of the other, um, you know, socially questionable things like when Starbucks had, you know, racist managers, um, kicking, you know, black customers out of stores, um, they shut down all the stores across the country yeah, for yeah, training I, I on I'm like how to avoid speak about having that happen the, again the, the so they do actually the know and, and how to say to okay we screwed up we're going to close all our stores know, and say we're not going to do that anymore
1: they can place. do that
0: and say um, Howard, so Howard you're not going to make um, Holocaust comparisons or say that you're being assaulted by unions anymore and also all these you know other managers that have been slashing people's hours or writing them up for you know wearing and sort of it was jeans sort of that are too light or writing in the daily records book with the wrong um, color pen,
1: turnover, um, whatever, whatever the rationale that's not acceptable behavior anymore
0: I because it's been, it's been encouraged for, and now it you is know, that interface they have to have an about face, and you know, the public's got to help us get them there, just
1: like that. Um,
2: and to your point, yeah, just if we, I know we've lost yeah. her, but um, I do think that there is a, and I'm forgetting exactly who said it, but um, a Fetishization of union workers of the past, where hey, you can't be in bad working conditions if you're working in a customer's here. Uh, jazz is back, but I was just making this point that I think that sometimes people um, who are trying to union bus without saying they're union bus will make some sort of distinction and say. Well, service work is not like the coal mines; like it's mm-hmm. not as uh, as difficult as getting black lung, or and you know, hey, there are still coal miners out there who also deserve union protections as well. But your met strikers um, got to win too, a hundred percent. But but the the they will use that as a way to downplay union efforts in places like Starbucks or Trader Joe's. And the reality is is that, no, this is the economy that we created when we offshored all of those other kinds of jobs due to multi-lateral uh, uh, trade deals. And we essentially have created a service economy, and these are the jobs. So then you can't use that as an excuse to then say, well, we won't give you the same protections as the jobs that we shift, shipped elsewhere.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think that's something, too, that isn't unique to this industry. That's what we're seeing today. But when, you know, our union was actually, you know, founded by garment workers who were told the same things about the kind of work Mm -hmm. they were doing. It was women's work. It wasn't skilled work. You know, it was piece rate. You know, it was little independent sweatshops that were all conspiring with each other, obviously, to keep conditions bad and wages low. But, you know, it was this informal economy. And they were told the same things. And, you know, they founded our union and achieved 100 percent union density in this industry that had been considered unorganizable. And now 100 years later, you know, I'd like to think that we're carrying on that legacy.
1: Just to move on to how Starbucks is responding to this, um, they're closing stores. So uh, now uh, and this is according to These Times, they are by the end of the month, the coffee chain said it's going to close six stores in Seattle and Los Angeles, two in Portland, Oregon, as well as locations in D.C. and Philly. On Wednesday, Seattle workers from Starbucks Workers United, the union that's been organizing stores across the country, filed an unfair labor practice charge, arguing the closure's amounts of retaliation and illegal coercion against union activity. Of the 16 stores set for closure, two locations in Seattle have successfully unionized and one store in Portland, is set for a union vote
0: in August. So
1: is there a correlation
0: there, James? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, even some of the stores that didn't have, you know, public campaigns yet, like the one in Union Station in Washington, D.C., had already started having those organizing conversations. Um, the first store that Starbucks, you know, closed um, in a high-profile situation was the Ithaca college avenue store uh, Mm -hmm. which they closed a few days after the workers there went on strike over a health and safety issue that they'd been talking about for five years so the subtext here is you know if you complain or if you say that you're unsafe then you know we're going to shut your store down and if you have organizing conversations and try to unite with your coworkers to do something about this then we're going to close your store down um So, I mean, that's the latest in the scorched earth tactics. Tomorrow Starbucks is rolling out, you know, this whole um, slew of benefits that they originally announced, thinking that they could actually break the momentum of our union votes in Buffalo. Um, And now they're saying, you know, since you voted to unionize, we're not gonna give these to you because now you're union and we have to wait until you have a collective bargaining agreement. And we've said, whoa, whoa, whoa we waive our right to bargain about these. If they're re- really improvements, like go ahead, give them to us. We're not going to stand in your way. And they're like, Nope, not doing that. And it's, you know, very obvious. So something,
1: something you didn't, a benefit, they're basically just dangling. And, and, and is, does that have to do also with like, I, I know Starbucks was speaking out about like abortion rights and abortion access, trans healthcare benefits. Is this something they're sort of jumping onto the, the corporate bandwagon, um, whatever one might think of that bandwagon, whether it's virtuous or not. And they're like, oh, JK, maybe we won't give you those benefits because you, exactly." Well, I guess we have to wait for your contract.
0: No, exactly. Um, like in union stores, you know, they've been, or in unionizing stores as people are trying to decide if they're, you know, going to vote yes um as managers and everybody are telling them you know everything's going to be different if you unionize you don't know what's going to happen if you unionize you could lose your benefits you could lose your health care um we can't guarantee that you're going to have all these things um and you know they've been retaliating against unionizing stores by slashing hours they've actually cut hours massively across the country and in order to be eligible for benefits including health care including you know um, abortion reimbursements and gender-affirming care, um, you have to be working 20 hours a week. And because they've cut so many partners who were, you know, just at that threshold, now people were just audited by the company and, you know, kicked out of their health care, kicked out of the ASU tuition reimbursement program. Um, so it's a very like tiered and multifaceted way of union busting because yeah. um, you have the, you know, overt threats and then you have the more um, direct, like we're just taking all of this away because, you know, you're not meeting standards because we've started.
1: You know, and is cutting. is a is union like filing with the NLRB around that or like filing complaints? They
0: filed hundreds of charges <laughs> across the country. I mean, I wish the labor board moved Faster, yeah. Because, you know, we're in an unfair labor practice trial in Buffalo right now where the Labor Board is suing Starbucks for over 200 violations of federal labor law and, you know, hopefully going to reinstate fired workers, reopen a store that Starbucks closed as part of their union busting effort. Um order the union into the camp road store where the union busting was so intense that workers were in, you know, six on one captive audience anti-union meetings and having, you know, six or seven managers stationed in their store telling people to vote no. Um, But that process takes so long that it's going to be, you know, well over a year of Starbucks being allowed to do whatever they want before we'd even, you know, potentially start seeing some accountability.
1: How about yourself? Like, how has it been in Buffalo? Like, what, what, are, what are some of the changes? What are the wins? But then, what are like, what's been going on in terms of those busing tactics or some of the threats?
0: I mean, it's designed to wear us down. I'm in a standoff with Starbucks over my availability where they're trying to get me to quit. And I'm like, I want to work at Starbucks. Like, you just can't keep messing with my availability. Um, but I think, you know, it's designed as psychological warfare everything that they've been doing from day one with psychological warfare. And it's nothing new, kind of going back to the other question about like, is this a different kind of campaign? This is what companies do. Starbucks is just able to do it on such a massive scale because they had, you know, an army of 150 managers and corporate execs that they could fly into Buffalo. They have the resources to hire, you know, at least 50 Littler Mendelssohn union busting attorneys. Um, They can really, keep debuting these things on a huge scale. Um, But this was always part of a industry project because, you know, um, in Buffalo, we'd organized a local coffee shop previously. And that, that one was called spot coffee. Um, I actually kind of ended up being the lead organizer for that campaign by accident, because I was the one that could stay in Buffalo and grab picket signs when workers were fired um, in retaliation for union organizing. And, the lesson of that campaign was, you know, a company that started out saying like turn over the names and we're going to fire anybody who attended this union meeting. Very quickly once the community was like Buffalo's a union town, we're not going to yeah. go to a place that, you know, is firing workers for organizing. We're going to demand that they respect the right to organize and sign the fair election principles. Within about 3 weeks, Spot Coffee had folded and, you know, decided that now they were going to live with the union and actually, you know, decided that it was both great ethically and as a business model to be a social justice company. So I think there's hope, Um, but it's going to take a lot of accountability.
1: If We can replace all these closing Starbucks with other coffee shops that have like union jobs. (laughs) I mean, it's so funny because I came up during a time when it was like, you know, politically when you're like Starbucks on every fucking corner and you're like, what's going to stop this monster from spreading? And you're like, Oh, a union drive of workers from the inside, you know, and it's, that's not a good thing. Obviously we I'm not saying like, you know, yeah, fewer jobs, but you're like, here's this monstrosity that, I mean, they're, I mean, they're not scared. They, they what they're, what they're actually scared of is just Schultz taking a little bit of, of a, like a pay cut, right? Like that's all it is. It is P it's the, CEO's just- taking a pay cut. Tell me.
0: I think it's also just power. Like this is about Howard Schultz's ego at the end of the day because it's not about money. He's losing money union busting and the labor board, you know, isn't moving as quickly as would be helpful, but the labor board's going to order all these stores that Starbucks is closing to reopen. Mm-hmm. So they're not really getting away with it. Um I think it's just mm-hmm. more delay tactics before Starbucks really realizes, you know, the only way forward for them and the only way for them to keep their reputation as a company that's, you know, different or progressive is to actually work with us and sign a contract.
1: I wanted to give Emma a chance to jump in, but I, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, no, sure. I just didn't know
2: uh, what the timing was for 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 you, uh, Fran. But um, I guess I am curious too about the reports and your reaction to when there was that proposal to give pay increases for workers that were non-unionized. Now I know that you guys filed with the NLRB because that's such a clear union busting tactic that mm-hmm. of course you had to, but what came of that? I mean, what is your, what was your reaction and, and what is the status of that right now?
0: So the litigation is still ongoing um, because, you know, we filed those, the labor boards investigating, et cetera. Um, the actual wage increases are supposed to go into effect starting tomorrow. So those are rolling out. A lot of people at non-union stores have been reporting that, you know, the increases are actually significantly less than they were promised, which kind of underscores why we needed a union in the first place, because you can't count on corporate to actually follow through. Um, But I mean, you know, the back pay For union partners is going to be significant, obviously, once the labor board says you can't actually do that, especially when, you know, the union's been saying, like, we're not putting any obstacles in your way. Like, go ahead and give us these benefits. We're not standing between us and the It might make
1: negotiation a little bit smoother, but you're still going to have to fucking negotiate. Um, (laughs) I mean, here's a progressive Here's the Progressive Corporation we're talking about. This is from this week. I'm sure, Jazz, you saw this. Um, Lilette on on Twitter. That time, my boss asked me if I could change the day I put my dog to sleep for Starbucks. This is a back and forth, I believe, with their manager. Um, Sorry, I'm trying to find coverage for my Sunday shift. I have to put down my dog Saturday night, and it will be an absolute mess. She's my best friend. Just letting you know ahead of time, I'm going to text some people and see if they can help out. Manager. I'm really going to need you to find coverage. I understand it's a tough situation, but you have plenty of notice. So it's not going to be approved if you don't come in. Is there a a way you could do it on a night where you don't work the next day? Uh. I'll do my best, but I'm sorry. It's inconvenient. It's a family dog and she's very sick. And this is what my family's decided to do. I can't reschedule when I put my dog down for Starbucks. Goes on. This is also... My, my official two weeks I've worked for this company for two and a half years And I appreciate what it's done for me But I'm ready to move on I mean we just lost Jazz again But two and a half years at a company at, at Starbucks And they can't fucking allow you They can't Deal with the fact that you're giving them A, a short notice for for like Your dog dying You're having to put your dog down Like just That's straight
0: evil shit Jazz? <laughs> oh, absolutely. And sadly, I mean, that's not uncommon. Um, I think the interesting thing is how wide the range of reasons that people have been unionizing is because my store was probably one of the most functioning Starbucks in the country when we started. And corporate descended on our store and was like, okay, we got to find a problem because this can't be, you know, workers wanting a voice or wanting accountability. It has to be because there's a carpet in the back room or because, um, (laughs) you know, somebody called out at lunchtime or, you know, they would go down and try to basically corner people into giving them a reason that we were unionizing. But at the same time, other stores had, you know, had managers getting away with firing three trans partners in two months because they were transphobic uh, management. And, Nothing had been done about that until the union started and then Starbucks was like, okay, maybe we can, you know, prevent the union if we start giving people what they want. But the fact that, you know, all of these things had been going unchecked is not surprising, but pretty disappointing.
1: No. Um, well, Jazz, thank you so much for joining us. I'm sorry about the tech difficulties. Please, how can we f- support your work?
0: So we have a no contract, no coffee pledge. We haven't declared a boycott yet. You know, we still want customers coming in and ordering the union strong, union strong drinks, and you know, cheering on unionizing partners and folks who've already unionized and are you know still dealing with the ongoing union busting. Um, but we are collecting information from supporters so that we can keep people up to date you know, as we try to keep putting more pressure on this company to actually do the right thing. Okay. So see, all of that info um, is on so SB, we'll Work- like SB Workers United, Instagram and Twitter, et cetera.
1: Hell yeah. SB Workers United, everyone get with it, follow them. And uh, when they say boycott, you better drop your half-calf. Do it. Mm-hmm. But don't yeah, do it yet. Lattes or whatever. <laughs> Not yet.
2: I kind of am already involuntarily and by involuntarily like just I I give it a a little bit of a side eye as I walk by it on my way to work any Starbucks I see.
1: Um, we were just, NATO and I were talking the other day about how, like, yeah, we we're all anti-Starbucks, anti-globalization, like, yeah, rah, fuck neoliberalism, and then after the march ends, you have to pee, and you're like, fuck, and you go to the Starbucks. <laughs>
2: well, like, that's the issue, is that we have no public spaces in this country anymore, right. Starbucks have to fill Not by void. to worry,
0: Howard Schultz is um, saying that his new response to mental health is, even as Starbucks managers are writing partners up for wearing suicide awareness pins to work, Um, Howard's closing Mm. our public bathrooms to deal with mental health. So yeah, that's, that's not going to be a thing for that much longer. Although I think.
2: Because you know what cures mental illness is when people who are homeless don't have a place to use the bathroom.
1: Yeah. When you got to pee, it's like, you got to pee so bad. You don't have time to be homeless or mentally ill. really bad for mental illness
0: is union busting. So I think maybe we should just tell Starbucks (laughs) about that. there you go absolutely
1: all right jazz thank you so much take very good care and best of luck with everything uh emma we got one more segment and then i'll let you get the hell out of here sure um i know we've run long i may have to do this the final bonus without you i'm so sad it makes me sad but that's okay we have one more segment it'll be fun because of course there's a new party in town guys you know about it but maybe you did new centrist party just dropped uh, it's called the Forward Party. You know how we needed a new centrist party. Um, it is co-chaired by Democratic presidential candidate Andrew Yang and former Republican New Jersey Governor Christine Todd Whitman. It's a, basically a combo of like three lesser centrist entities that are sort of transforming, like Planet cap, Captain Planeting or whatever they are doing. Uh, Renew America movement uh, created by f- former Republicans. The Serve America movement, Democrats and Republicans and independents, led by David Jolly of Florida, and then Yang's forward party. And Yang, I guess, won out. Um, So we're going to we're asking what's like their platform? Like, what are what are some of the planks in their new platform form? This is forward to where? OK, so just to, if you guys need some help and Emma, if you want some help, sort of like thinking through like what mm-hmm. like what would you if you're like you're hired as like a consultant for the forward party? Like, what do you think the first few things you guys are? You know, what's on what is on the docket here? What's your policy? What proposals um, their slogan? One of their sort of what they want to do on their, This is according to their website. They want to reinvigorate a fair flourishing economy and open society that's everyone yeah flourish where everyone can live a good life and is safe in the place where we learn work and live it sounds like i don't okay i know what it actually is like i know it's like a libertarian nightmare solution Mm -hmm. to like everything we have but it just sounds like a more mealy-mouthed version of the democratic party like live a good life and is safe. It feels like it's like ending gun violence, you know, like is yeah. safe, you know,
2: we're just, against bad things and mm. for
1: good things.
2: We want your life to be good. Oh, I'm, time for me to
1: donate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, So I have a few, I think that some of the policy proposals will be um, in order to combat climate change. Um, Airbnb will be given federal grants. <laughs> To build tiny homes in trees. Hobbit homes. Uh, they should be
2: underground too. That was what Ted Cruz said Obama was going to do. Right. If I'm not mistaken. <laughs> I, don't remember that. I There's like, or maybe it wasn't Ted Cruz. It was some Republican that said Obama was going to force us. We're going to live, live in
1: Hobbit homes.
2: <laughs> and I'm like, honestly, that sounds lovely because oh that and community is beautiful and yeah. everyone should want to be a part of uh, the Shire. But regardless, um, yeah, it is hilarious. The, the, first of all, uh, you know, if you guys haven't seen through Andrew Yang at this point as a uh, <laughs> uh, essentially a, a libertarian light, then I don't know what I can do for you. Because his proposal for UBI in and of itself was sus because I'm in favor of UBI as a supplement, right, as long as it's supplementary. And it is not as a replacement for Medicare, for Social Security, for existing social programs that already need to be expanded. That was what his whole candidacy was, frankly, based on, which is like, wait, instead of this... Cash going towards people's health care. What if we gave it and put it into their pocket so it could go right back
1: into the economy? And so that everyone could we can from blame it. them when they're sick and be like, oh, yeah. my God, you didn't save enough money for your pharmaceuticals. You didn't save enough money for that car accident that you knew you were going to get. Exactly.
2: Into. Right. Personal responsibility. So this is the natural progression of it. Um, And, you know, he's just such a grifter. And I'm still shocked at the branding of this party, which he still is sticking with forward. Dude, you're openly advertising it as a centrist party, which is like you just you have half of the Democratic Party, if not more, already on board with this platform. But um, call it inertia. Call it status quo. That's (laughs) the reality of what it is.
1: Just to think that, like, there were enough centrists to even form a new party around is, like, bonkers. Like, say what you will about the People's Party and sort of the Jimmy Dornut jobs. At least there's, like, a lot of people who are fucking disaffected from the Democratic Party to the left of it. You know, like, at least there's a, that's more strategic. I just, again, I'm unclear who all these centrists are. Okay, I've got more policy proposals, though. So I think they're going to incentivize public transit by only having buses and trains accept Ethereum. Mm -hmm. And that's, like, the way to go, you know? Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) um, They're going to subsidize Ubers for those suffering a medical emergency and are currently bleeding right now. Those Uber rides will be free, and then ambulances will have to compete. And that's, like... But only
2: free if you apply for a rebate.
1: Right. Oh, no, no, no. It's not up front. Yeah. Um, if you meet the requirements and you bring, the, you know, take photos or have the proper amount of um, ounces of blood you lost, um, though that Uber... you got to meet
3: that
2: blood price. threshold. You have got yeah. to meet the blood threshold.
1: I mean, and then once the EMTs feel like there's competition from Uber, then they'll do, you know what I mean? Like they'll, of course, lower the prices for an ambulance ride. Because um, that's the way the free market works.
2: Affordable, accessible, accessible uber ambulance rides i mean that is what
1: america's built on um any what do you what like honestly have you seen anything that they've written or have come out with and what do you think that they're gonna like
2: campaign well i read that god awful like hellish op-ed in the washington post um that they put out and all it did was just straw man the left and say we're not in favor of the right's extreme stance stance on banning abortion, but we're also not in favor of the left stance of of late-term abortions and uh, into the third trimester. Which, like, guys, reality check. The only time that ever happens is when a woman is dying or the life of a mother is in that jeopardy. Matter, no. <laughs> That's an extreme position. No one... Name a politician in elected office who has said I'm in favor of late term abortion. I just I really want people to look it up, try to find anybody, because that's not the case. And and all of the Republicans are in favor of the position that they say is representative of the far right. All of them, except for a handful.
1: It's incredible to look at the landscape of politics today and be like, yeah, you know what the problem is, is just there's not enough. Everyone's like to still say we're so divided, and that the left is just oh, all this defund the police don't let me bleed out from a miscarriage talk, you know? Yeah, like, like it's just you're so lost, you're so. And Andrew Yang, again, like, here's what I will say his campaign, yes, he is Asian, however. It is the whitest guy, Asian man campaign. Like if a fucking racist is running his campaign, an Asian dude with a hat, this is math on it. Come on. Now I'm Chinese. And that's offensive. Like that's straight, like a white guy made that. I'm sorry. And then, and then he comes, Andrew Yang's very good at op-eds. His op-eds are always like, you know what? Hey, Hey, Asian Americans. Be more American. That's how you'll stop being hate crimed I know. And what were you wearing when you were hate crimed? Were there enough American flags on you? <laughs> I mean, you were asking for it if you weren't
2: at least wearing an American flag pin.
1: Absolutely. Just like, oh God. Um, I'm so glad he did so poorly um trying to be mayor of I mean Eric Adams is not. He's a worse. Guy. But I it's,
2: almost I almost would rather oh have no, honestly, no. I think I would have. Ra- I, I rather would have had Eric Adams because he's okay, <laughs> and that's saying a lot. Because I mean, I rank choice. Uh, I ranked choice gang and Adams. I think I didn't even put them on my ballot because I uh, was so. Oh, know, I would. Yeah.
1: Them, but. No, I'd be too, way too scared. That's when everyone was like, because like we had rank choice over in in California, and they were like, "Do you even have to rank these people?" I'm like, "No, don't put don't put them anywhere on your ballot." Like, <laughs> yeah. Um anywho, Emma Viglin of the Majority Report, check her out five days a week. Um always holding down a Thursday by herself, crushing it with the commentary. I really enjoy I, I really enjoy it. Uh you're you're excellent, you're awesome, and I will get you for another bonus episode. Another That's day. very kind, yes. And we gotta have you back
2: on soon. Um, even though, you know, what what are you gonna name your baby? No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm Emma, joking. are you
1: are you named after uh, anarchist Emma Goldman? Emma, I am named after
2: my grandmother Emma, but that would be cooler Anything. if I was named after Emma Goldman.
1: <laughs> my car, or is- my great
2: grandmother. Sorry, my, I love my grandmother, wow. but I didn't know my great grandmother, so that's cool. But like Emma Goldman, probably cooler.
1: My car is red, and I call her Red Emma because of Emma Goldman. So gotcha. That's, that's my Red Emma. That's that's badass. Yeah, hell yeah. Emma's a great. Emma is a good name. But again, if I said that, people are like, oh, great. Oh, it's nice. uh, I, I like it. And you're uh, like, what do you want? A crystal? Like, anywho. Um, yes, have me back shots. on. Have me back on. Otherwise, I'm going to start a rumor that you guys are anti pregnant people. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, that's fair. <laughs> it's going to stick. Okay, I'm going to be so well. Um, and everybody, thank you for being here. Thanks for dealing with all the, you know, when you have three amazing people in one stream, what's a little technical difficulty? Don't nobody care. Uh, I might have to do the bonus bish by myself, but you're going to want to hear it. Maybe I'll drag Matt Lee in here um, and we'll talk about it. It's about the DCCC's um, strategy to support support in heavy quotation marks uh, Republican candidates. Is this a good strategy? Is it not a good strategy? Uh, I'll share what I think and how I think some people are getting a little bit wrong. Um, but for now, y'all, uh, we got some comments to get through. There's a lot of wonderful comments and I appreciate y'all. Um, let's see, Angel Baby, Franny, you're such an icon. You're intelligent, articulate, charismatic, hilarious, and so much more. You're going to be a great mommy, great mommy. Love all, thank you, Angie Baby. That's really nice of you. And yet today I feel extra dumb. I don't know why. I think I've, I've made a few mistakes, and uh, you know I have one of those days. Mike Boy raps. I would call my party the Cool Guy Having Sex Party. I'm glad I read that comment, Mike Boy. I'm I'm very glad uh, that that is that's a worthwhile comment. Cool Guy Having. But that's effectively what the Republicans are. They're like our party is. No fat chicks. I do. I'm not a virgin party. Like that's, they're leaning into that. Um, who's Joe daddy on Twitch. They run so short staff to save money. They don't have any options. That's a strategy. They're talking about Starbucks. It's just incredible. Like how bald faced it is. Cause as jazz was saying, they're going to open up the franchises once they try and basically ice out all all of the organizers in the different stores. I mean, they're going to open back up these stores. Um, Arlo Bender Simon on YouTube. I walked to the workers on the picket line in one of the Starbucks. It's now being closed in Seattle. The fight goes on. Thank you Arlo for, for doing that and for sharing that. Um, like my folks, I my dad lives up in Seattle and I know he's going to be mad as hell. If he tries to go to his Starbucks and they've closed because of fucking union busting. Don't, get between an italian and his espresso you know what i'm saying dan bifano says how does the center move forward it's a juxtaposition (laughs) i think we had a joke uh and on a on a news broke episode once where it was like you know we don't have a left wing we have or a right wing we just have a center wing just kind of like a rudder like if you have a center wing you will fall out of the sky my friend that's how that works there is no center wing Termed Chaos on Twitch, how Atlas shrugged of them. Um, and the amazing Andrew on Twitch. I loved Andrew Yang at first. I support anyone named Andrew. And then he kept talking. Such a pity. Alex Samaras um, left. We want equal rights and protections for all. Right. We want to exterminate anyone not like us. Centrist Compromise? Eh? Can we kill off some people? To pretend we have a balanced political climate right now is it's like where have you i bless your stupid fucking heart where have you been hiding this whole time in what bag of money in what pool of mcdonald mcduck that's not his name but you know what i'm saying donald duck pool of gold coins have you been hiding that you think that that's a political reality right now Matthew Towers on YouTube, hi Francesca, I saw The Bituation Room in Brooklyn, it was a great show, Sam was great, Matt was great, congratulations to you both, keep up the great work. Everything's great, Matthew, Um, I did get COVID shortly after that show, so I hope um, everyone else was fine, but I had a good time, it was a fuck ton of work, but I hope to do it again, and it was a really, really, really fun show. Um, Tiffany Caban, hello! What a dream! What a dream boat! Just nothing but dream boats—the whole thing, dream boats. Dream boats only is the slogan for this show. Um, you guys, thank you so much! And with that, thank you so much to the big to the new patrons, Cameron. Up your pledge to fifteen dollars. You get a shout out if you're a patron at ten dollars or more. Thank you to the Twitch setups, Grandpa Dragon, nineteen fifty three, Awesome Dragon, Uncle Carl SS, Dragon, Red Ribbon, thirty seven hundred, and Adam De Thank you guys so much for subbing. Thanks to Paige Omex, Maximilian Inhofe, to Alexander Ornes, and everybody who supports this goddamn show. Thank you to all the new patrons of $5. I see you. I love you. I appreciate you. You have no idea literally 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 supporting the show all right um in my own bin as we discussed um you are the reason the show can go on uh even if i am you know like uh out of my element and out of the studio so make sure that you guys are here next fucking tuesday first tuesday and then every Tuesday until I decide I need a maternity break and then we will take a little break. But for those patrons worried about the content, don't worry. We're going to be banking content for y'all, making sure that we have enough. Um, and and I, I would love to like go live and do some, some more like just chiller streams for the patrons as I'm uh, you know, adjusting to new life as a mom. So don't worry. Y'all are going to get what you paid for. Um, in addition to one day bitch caps. And of course everybody, Get your Vituation Room swag, VituationRoom.com. Follow the show on Twitter, Pod, On TikTok and Instagram, at Franny Fio. We will be streaming Tuesdays, 1 p.m., 4 p.m. Eastern on YouTube and Twitch. And remember, y'all, fight the power, fuck the patriarchy, and don't just bitch about it. Be about it. I'll see you in the bonus.